Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Corne finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Coming up on Le Bourgeois, the Canaries are chirping this morning as Nantes win their first trophy in 21 years. We look back at Saturday's Coupe de France final. Marseille and Monaco march on in the race for Champions League qualification. Strasbourg and Lens stay in European contention too. But the game is almost up for Bordeaux, who drop back to the bottom after their loss to Angers and Metz's stunning victory over Lyon. We're giving away an Aurelien Chouameni Monaco shirt and there's a Kylian Mbappe PSG shirt up for grabs too in this week's Deja Who. Thank you to everybody once again for tuning in to the official League Gun Uber Eats podcast. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for rating us on all the different podcast platforms. And thank you for sending in your feedback and questions. League One podcast at gmail.com. Um, I'll start by sending some commiserations to uh, Matt Woods who wrote in telling us about his trip to Paris to watch his beloved niece in the Coupe de France final. Hope you had a great weekend, Matt, despite the result. Andrew Levy and Christopher McManus, thank you for writing in from Australia and the United States, respectively, with some very nice emails. They are, as ever, greatly appreciated. Joining me on uh, Le Bourgeois this morning, I'm delighted to say Angus Tarode is with us, Ligue 1 commentator. How are you, Angus? Morning, Matt. I'm probably uh, as bleary-eyed as you are after a late last night on the uh, the highlight show, but uh, I'll keep giving. I'll, I'll keep in there eventually. No, I'm sure you will. You always find energy, Angus, and you had some cracking uh, commentary games over the weekend. So I'm looking forward to to hearing your thoughts. And we've got uh, a debut for Batis Renault. Uh, bienvenue, welcome, Batis. Uh, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great. It's great to have Baptiste on. He um, has his own podcast, which uh, uh, I'm delighted to to plug. Uh, it's uh, Le Classique. It's called Le Classique. You can follow Baptiste at Le Classique Pod on Twitter. And Baptiste, your podcast um, is fairly closely related to ours. It's a podcast looking at French football history. And at the moment, just tell us quickly. You're 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 discussing English players, the best English players to have played. Sorry, the best French players to have played in England. I'll get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're doing our top fifty French Premier League footballers of all time. So uh, we've reached number five at the moment, which was released last week, and uh, we're making our way up. And it's uh, gets more and more exciting, reminiscing about such uh, wonderful players. Can you can you tell us who number five is? Give us an idea what sort of level you're at. And Golo Kante. Golo Kante, okay. 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 Well, listen, as long as Thierry Henry is number one, <laughs> otherwise, of course, he's got Canton off competition. But as long as Titi is number one, you're, you're very welcome to stay on the pod. Angus is, is shaking his head. Listen, we're not going into that debate. We're going to dive straight into the Coupe de France final. Um, the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. Tens of thousands of uh, Nantes fans, tens of thousands of Nice fans. There were, there were flares. There was singing throughout. It was an incredibly joyous occasion. I mentioned last week, and uh, I do want to say it's nothing against Paris Saint-Germain. This, this was the first final 
that didn't have Paris Saint-Germain in it for eight years. And Angus, just, you know, the fact that Nice knocked PSG out, um, it just breathed life, new life into the into the competition, didn't it? And when these two clubs going head to head for their supporters, traveling uh, to the Stade de France, having this opportunity to win a first trophy in, in, in decades, it was always going to be a big occasion. And the occasion, if not, the game, we'll talk about the game as well, of course, but the occasion certainly lived up to to the billing, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely did, Matt. I mean, uh, the the excitement around and in the Stade de France on Saturday night was uh, tremendous. Um, I actually watched the game on TV, but I did talk to Andy Scott, who was our colleague on Liga, and he was actually commentating the game for the World Feed. And uh, he was impressed by the amount of non-supporters that actually turned up, 70% of well, his number was 70%. Um, let's put it this way. The majority in the stadium were wearing yellow and uh, creating an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, but Nice supporters too were very excited. Let's not forget that uh, last season, Nice were nowhere near winning a, a title. They were doing well to start with to, to make sure they maintained their league and status. A little bit like Nantes, to be quite honest with you, who were in even more trouble last season. So, in that sense as well, this was a redemption for both sides. And they came back from really some terrible times for the supporters. Let's not forget, non-supporters have not been happy for at least a decade. And uh, with various different reasons, including the president, uh, Valdemir Kita, and Antoine Kambori actually alluded to that, which will probably come to a bit later in the programme. But as far as a celebration went, it was amazing. Not knocked out Monaco in the semi-finals, which I think was a huge shock when you see the way that Monaco have been performing this season. And so the excitement, I think, to have two different sides in the final just, I think, really took it to a different level. Uh, Baptiste, uh, Antoine Comboire has done an unbelievable job. He said to take Nantes to the Stade de France and to win the cup, um, for people who don't know, he came through the, the Nantes Academy as a, as a player. He's got, he's got the Nantes uh, DNA. He, he said this achievement is bordering on, on a miracle. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was just hugely emotional, wasn't it, for this, for this very famous and, and loved football club, perhaps not loved by Nice fans uh, today. But I, I think a lot of people, even outside of Nantes, would have been really happy. Absolutely. I think not in the 80s, 90s. They were the club that everyone looked up to. Uh, you know, the Joël Nantes, they played the right way, always brought up youngsters. And I think it's sort of a sleeping giant of French football that's reawakened uh, this weekend. And because of the way they played over the years before Valdemar Quita and even before Dassault, there's always been a bit of a nostalgia around, around Nantes and the iconic... Canary shirt and and elements like these, so I think a lot of people um, would have been happy would have been happy for not and for Comboire who went through tough times after a promising start to his manager career and was looked at as a bit of a dinosaur. Angus, just to to talk about the game, um, it was it wasn't a bad game of football. I mean, both teams were were pushing, both teams were looking to get that breakthrough the, the the key moment and you know this is what nice fans i think are finding hard to digest um they haven't had a great time with uh, stephanie frappart uh, this season and um they were wary of her appointment in 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 the final and the big decision went went against uh, nice with uh, a cross from 
let me get this right, from Comtan Merlin that hit Lot- Lotomba on the arm. No, um, uh, it hit uh, Hisham Badawi, who was uh, coming uh, Boudawi, across. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and absolutely but, yeah, right. But Badawi, Angus was what? He was three, four yards away. The cross was played in with quite a lot of pace. The arm was slightly away from the body. Um, I know that Eric Roy has been getting a lot of stick because he, the form, former Nice manager and player who was on commentary on, on, on France 2, and he was very vocal in his criticism of the, uh, of the decision. Um, what do you reckon, Angus? Well, interestingly, to come back on Eric Roy there, he actually came back afterwards and said he wasn't critical of the decision. He was critical of the law that led to that uh, decision. But of course, he doesn't have Twitter as well. So, of course, he didn't really personally suffer the backlash that um, was directed towards him. I, I have to, I, 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 I think I might be a little bit in the minority here because I actually think it was a penalty, even though uh, it was that close. And the reason why is I can understand the mitigating circumstance that uh, Badawi was racing towards the ball. He was very close to it and it was driven at him. But in the slow motion, you can clearly see him move his arm towards the ball. You know, it's a reaction, obviously. I mean, he thinks he's going to get hit. So, I mean, that's what you do. But that is not a defense. So, from that point of view, I think I can understand why it was a penalty. I could have understood as well had it not been given. But I certainly don't think it was something that should have been overruled. Baptiste, penalty for you? It's it's one where you always sit on the fence. It's the... It's- one of the I've seen I him didn't. given variety. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but that's just yeah. me. I'm just saying on fence. No, I, I agree with Angus. I think it there was definitely a movement. It's just for me, it was the closeness at which Quentin Merlin crossed the ball that could have been a mitigating factor. But uh, but I understand why it was given, and it's it's not the harshest decision around either. No, it's heartbreaking, obviously, to lose a cup final um, like that. But you know, fantastic for Nantes. Fantastic to see Ludovic Blas, who was given or was allowed to keep the captain's armband because he's been wearing it in, in, in the cup with Alban Lafont being on the bench. Lafont, Comboire decided to bring his first choice goalkeeper back for the final, something that Nice didn't do. Um, I don't think that had an impact, although, yeah, well, Lafont made a couple of good saves, didn't he? But um, yeah, Ludovic Blas, fantastic for him. I mean, he's 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 having a great season. Colin Wani, we, we talk about this attack, Moses Simon, Colin Wani and Ludovic Blas. And they did look more more potent, didn't they, Angus? I mean, Colomwani just didn't stop running, caused a lot of problems to to this Nice defence, which is the best defence statistically in France. They did, but I think actually the um, the secret to that victory was actually in the way that Nantes defended. I thought they did a spectacularly good job on Armin Guiri uh, and, and also indeed as well on Andy Delors, keeping them really quiet through the game. Great games at the back by Girotto and uh, and Palois, who's just got that arrogant kind of like swagger about him. That I, I don't know whether I love it or hate it, but it's impressive however you look at it. And and it was good to see Palois stay on the pitch. He didn't get himself uh, sent off for any particular reasons, which uh, can happen. And I think that um, Camboire came up with a master plan to uh, to down Nice, which is not bad when you consider he was up against the master tactician himself in Christophe, in Christophe Galtier. Yeah, I think you're right to, to to mention those guys. I mean, Palois is a hugely popular figure at Nantes. Him and Girotto have uh, have been excellent this season. Um, Castelletto did a did a good job as well. I think I probably could have kept Casper Dolberg quiet on on Saturday. I mean, he's he's a hugely frustrating player. So much talent, but I mean, didn't didn't turn up for the for the cup final. I just want to bring you in, uh, Baptiste, on um, on Comboire versus Keita because even though we are 
you know, still glowing for Nantes and Nantes, you know, there are, there were huge celebrations over the weekend and um, they're going to be playing Ren on Wednesday night at the Bourgeois and that, you know, it's going to be a, another fantastic evening of celebrations, I think, for Nantes. But Comboire poured a little bit of cold water um, over it after the game by talking about his relationship, his difficult relationship with the club president, Valdemir Kita. We know he's got, got through a huge number of uh, coaches, Kita. He's had a huge number of run-ins with coaches over the last 15 years. He's not popular with uh, with the fans. Comboire was keen to say this is a victory for the fans, i.e. rather than... Uh, Rather than the president, he said that Comboare uh, said my everyday work is difficult because my relationship with the president is difficult and I don't know what's happening next year. Keita responded, held a press conference on Sunday night. Um, we were thinking there might be some big statement. There wasn't. He just said, listen, um, it's up to Antoine. He's a free man. He can do what he wants, but he has got a year left on his contract. This is just football. We'll we'll have a chat. Let's not take the um, the fun away from, from this weekend. Baptiste. Can Comboire withstand Valdemir Kita, the most, apparently, the most annoying president, the most certainly the most ruthless president in French football? He'd be achieving something very few managers have been able to achieve <laughs> over the years, I think. I think it's just Kita can't help himself, I think is the simple answer to that. He, sa- he did save the club financially when he, t- when he took them over, and I think he's been looking for that recognition a little bit since then. But he's alienated people like Suodo, people at the club and even though we should reflect on the fact the club needed changing a little bit it was stuck in its old ways old old ways sorry um but you know kita the way he structured the club he's he's let a lot of historic people go he hasn't focused on the youth team as much as before i think his son frank is either the head recruiter or one of the main people involved in recruitment and i think that just that just paints a sort of um a picture of a club in a little bit of disarray internally and with people um, going in different directions. And I think that's what Comboire has said. I mean, admittedly, Comboire is in an ideal position for, to negotiate anything he wants at the moment uh, at a club that he loves. And I think that could have been seen as a power play. Certainly, that's the way Valdemar would have seen it, I imagine. We're going to discuss as well uh, this week the UNFP award, so the player un- the Players' Union um end of season awards because we've had the nominees and I'll take this opportunity um, to, to to mention the coaching nominees, five of them. Um, two of them were involved in the cup final, Christophe Galtier of Nice and Antoine Comboire of Nantes. The other three, Julien Stefan, uh, the Strasbourg coach, Bruno Genesio, the Ren coach and Jorge Sampaoli, the Marseille coach. Um, no Maurizio Pochettino. He was, uh, it's unusual for the for the champions not to have their coach represented. He was asked about that and he said, um, I don't have an opinion, just like I didn't have an opinion when I was nominated for, for European Coach of the Year alongside Guardiola and Klopp, which I thought was, yeah, probably a good comeback. Um, <laughs> Angus, are you are you in agreement with those five and which which one for you um, is is the number one? Before I forget, though, can I just say uh, the, the, um, the, the, the cup final, um, talking of Quambori, the, that came up with one of the best headlines I've seen in a while on the front of L'Equipe, which was Le Jean de Gloire. And I loved it that they didn't continue with the paraphrasing of the Marseillaise. It made you, it almost made you sing it in your head. I just thought that was, that was just really great. <laughs> I have to say that before I forget. I think... For, can, you, can you explain the, the, the play yeah, on the words? Not de, everybody speaks French. It comes from the Marseillaise, uh, Le Jour de Gloire est arrivé. The, the day of glory has arrived. 
Um, so it's a play on words. And, uh, and I always like when the French come up with play on words because the English always think they can't do it. So uh, it was, that was rather nice. So, uh, so that was said, le, le jaune, le jaune de gloire. Like so, yeah, that was the play yeah. on words. Le jaune de gloire. You know, I'm, yellow... I'm not even sure. I, so I'm just, you know, just yeah. in case people aren't following. Yeah, yet, no, I'm, absolutely. Yeah. You're quite right. Yes. 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 The yellow of glory. <laughs> rather yeah, it doesn't than work as the well day in of glory. Yeah. So there we go. You're Coach quite of right. the year, Ang. Coach of the year, Angus. <laughs> Coach of the year. Right. Well, OK, I'm, I'm going to come up with a couple of, uh, of names that I thought may have deserved a shout in this and didn't get one. And the first one was Franck Ez of Lons, who I think is doing one of the most incredible jobs in European football, certainly in the big five um, of anybody. Lons only came up a couple of seasons ago, seventh in their first season, and they're pushing for Europe for the second season in a row. As a promoted club, I think that's nothing short of outstanding, particularly in the second year when uh, usually uh, promoted clubs struggle. Uh, the other one, I think, uh, bearing in mind what happened to Clermont yesterday, is Pascal Gastien, who I think, again, I mean, wow, what a job he's done with a, one of the tiniest budgets that they have. I mean, I know that a lot of it is all on Mohamed Bayo, who has been nothing short of sensational, and whether or not he will stay is another thing. But the coach, I think, as well, has done a, and a magnificent job. Um, Pochettino not being there, I can't quite make up my mind because you're right, uh, Matt. It is weird that the the team that has dominated, let's be honest, I mean, Paris Saint-Germain get criticised, but the criticism of Paris Saint-Germain is nowhere near the same kind of um, parameters that other coaches get criticised for because it's on the minutest details. And Pochettino has had to cope with all kinds of um, issues, shall we say, at Paris Saint-Germain. Injuries, all sorts of things like that. And I can see you looking at me like that, Matt. And uh, you're sounding like you're sounding like Robbie Thompson. You're sounding like Robbie Thompson. It's totally, (laughs) totally logical for me that Poch isn't. You know, with all due respect to Poch, um, uh, PSG haven't played well this season. I know they're the champions, and I know it's 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 not easy to win a league title. But yeah, Franquez is is more of a glaring omission than than Pochettino, I'd say. Mm. Um, But just just I'll, I'll come back to you for. Um, for a name, but Baptiste, I want to bring you in. What, what is is there, is there anyone missing? And have you got an, have, have you got a name for us, Coach of the Year? I mean, yeah, Garcia and Ez were top of my list as well. I think Michel Dazacarian has done a good job at Brest. It's still a club that was promoted only a few years ago. He was known for being quite a defensive coach, but actually Brest have played quite enjoyable football. And the fact they're above Montpellier is probably bringing him great joy at the moment. But uh, no, apart from that, I agree with. Everything that's been said, I think, I think Gassian, a neophyte, um, coaching his son, thirty-two-year-old son, is amazing as well. But who's, but who's your choice, coach of the year? I think um, I was hesitating between Stefan and Comboire, so I don't want to give into recency. So I think I'm going to go with Stefan. I think he's he's just improved everyone at the club, and that's and that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, that would have been my choice. That would be my choice. Julian Stefan, Strasbourg, they've just edged above uh, above Nice. They're fifth. That would be you know, incredible achievement. Angus, two words, please. Uh, well, Z- Dezakarin, incidentally, was one of the 15 coaches that has been a uh, coach of Nantes in the last, um, in the Kita period. So I just wanted to, to get that in. Um, I, honestly, at this stage, I am not 100% sure. I like Philippe Clement, to be honest with you, what he's done, even though he's not been there all season. Um, eight wins in a row for, Mar- for Monaco. That's, a, that's not to be sniffed at either, playing them back in. I... I'm going to go, though, for Galtier, 
And even though they lost, I think that he has turned around that knee side. Um, and with a large, the, the, a, a squad that is largely the same as the one that was struggling so badly last season. And he's shown just what a magnificent coach he is, I think, by turning it around there. Angus, you're, you're, yeah, you're worse than Andy Scott with the, um, with the two words. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, <laughs> you don't no, want to yeah, hear my two words. words. You're finding hard. Angus, we, we, we're going to talk about Philippe Clement. We're going to talk about Monaco. That's all coming because we're talking about the weekend in, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. I, I, I commentated PSG 3 last night, which was, which was fun. It certainly wasn't PSG, um, at their best. Trois played really well. They came from 2 0 down. Um, Neymar scored a penalty after Marquinhos had opened the uh, the scoring for PSG, but Trois were 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 really good. They played good football. Tardieu got a penalty, and uh, Iche Ukubo, um scored a really good goal after a mistake from Nuno Mendes. So fair play to Trois, who are very close to securing their top flight status. It would be the first time that they have survived a league on season since 2006 because they are the traditional yo-yo team. Um, but we're going to focus on the European battle. Um, Monaco and uh, Marseille were playing this weekend. Rennes weren't because they play against um, against Nantes on Wednesday. Nice weren't playing, of course, because they played in the cup. They're playing Saint-Étienne on Wednesday. Let's start with uh, Lille against Monaco. That was on Friday night. Angus Tarode commentated this one from the Stade Pierre Mora. He's managed to get the ball away from him and he's found a pass down to Wissam Ben Yedda as well. Monaco's captain has Sven Botman in front of him. Ruben Aguilar outside him. Aurelien Chouamene lines up the shot and scores! Well, the man who's been attracting all of the attention from the biggest clubs in Europe sends a message here at the Stade Pierre Mora and like last weekend, Lille concede a goal coming up to the break he's taking on Ruben Aguilar catches up with Bomber though but finds uh, Angel Gomez Angel Gomez into the box opening up for him oh wonderful finally for Angel Gomez it has taken a long time to get his first goal for Lille but that is one he'll remember. And the biggest noise in the stadium is reserved for the equaliser. Caio Enrique back into the Monaco goal scorer again! Oh, wow! Unreal from Aurelien Chermeni! If the first goal was a shocker, this is out of the world. Talk about sucking the air out of the Stade Pierre Mouat just when the home side were getting back in the match. An absolute thunderbolt off the right foot of Aurelien Chouamani. Angus, a good victory for Monaco, no question about that. Aurelien Chouamani taking uh, matters into his own hands, scoring two goals. And with that victory, Monaco moved above Marseille on goal difference. They they were second, which is quite astonishing. If you think six weeks, seven weeks ago, um, we were thinking, mm, can they qualify for Europe? They were up to second. And and like you say, it's been impressive what, what Philippe Clement's done and what he's doing. Yeah, well, it's the best run in the uh, the top five at the moment, um, which is just to to put it on a level which is, goes even higher than, than French uh, Liga, if you like. 
Uh, Monaco have been absolutely sensational. Philippe Clermont came in. He'd had success winning the league in Belgium when he came in. He had a big job to do to try and get Monaco back up into uh, Champions League contention. And the interesting thing about this game for me was Aurelien Chouamenic, who has been the subject of intense transfer speculation and was even in the press conference, which I thought was quite brave of uh, Monaco uh, pre-game as well. And I thought he handled it beautifully, the way he managed to deflect, um, not not even deflect um, the, the questions towards him, but just sort of like gl- glided through it as if there was nothing No, but there. he's, Angus, he's, he, he's even better than Mbappe when it comes to like, <laughs> you know, just nonchalant, calm, cool answers. I mean, he is, yeah, he's, he's very, he's very difficult to get anything out of, of interest. And because like he's Mbappe, on the pitch, he then stood mm. up and took his game to a different level. He'd only scored once all season and stepped up with two of the best goals you'll see from the edge of the box. The first one with his left foot and interestingly, the second with his right. And if, the, um, if he can do things like that, on top of the fact that he's one of the best defensive midfielders in Europe, he's also a man who leads uh, the, the attack from midfield as well. You can see why Monaco are so desperate to keep hold of him and why it's so important for Monaco that they get back into the Champions League. Because if they don't, and it has to be said, the odds are still against them a little bit because um, they have a worse uh, goal difference against Wren. And if Wren win on Wednesday, then that puts them back up into third. Um, Marseille seem to have ridden the, um, that horrible period that they've just had, which we'll obviously come to in a moment. Um, so I think it's so important that they keep hold of them because Monaco, on the best run they've, they've been on since they won the title back in 2017, that was right in the middle of a long um, unbeaten or winning run that they had back then. Uh, they have a, a great squad again, and it would be a shame if like that squad before it got broken up. Uh, Baptiste, what, what's Philippe Clement changed? What's, what, what's happening? I mean, there have been some changes to personnel. Obviously, they, they signed Vanderson, who's done really well. Um, they signed him in, in, in January. Yusuf Fofana's come in. Um, and we're seeing the, the Fofana that, that we were so impressed with, with last season. Um, what else? I mean, what you know? what's the key? It's a difficult one because I actually thought they were quite poor on Friday, apart from Tramini. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I thought he was head and shoulders above everyone else. But... You know, certainly going forward, I think Ben Yede was off. Volan, who'd been in good form, was, wasn't was really hitting the heights of last season, certainly, or even recent weeks. So I think he's just sort of stabilised the ship slightly, Clément, and he's he does have a way of playing. I think they like to dominate possession and play calmly, um, recy- you know, recycle possession, play it around. But... Uh, it's 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 an interesting one. I've I've seen him play. You can you can tell there's a structure in place. They're they're cohesive, but it's not. There's hasn't been a magic touch, and yet you know, as no. Angus said, they're they're in great form, and and they showed on Friday that you can win without playing particularly well. I can answer that um, <laughs> that uh, point about uh, Monaco being slightly under par uh, on Friday night, and I think that's because Lille stepped up. Actually, they Lille when they came out onto the pitch, I was in the stadium. They got booed like they were the away side. Uh, it was a hostile reception that they had. The ultras didn't turn up for the first half and only turned up halfway through the second. Um, but Lille played with real heart that they ha- we haven't seen for a little while. And it was so good that they actually had the fans cheering for them in the end. And Angel Gomez had a nice moment. First goal in, in Ligue 1 football 
after he got sent out on loan last season. So that was that was great to see. However, as you say, they despite all of that effort, they still got done by two moments of genius from Aurelian Chouameni. But even at the end, despite the fact they lost, they had a better reception than when they'd come out. Yeah, they were abysmal the previous weekend when they lost 3-0 uh, against uh, Troyes. Um, but I agree, uh, you know, I agree with what both of you are saying, but I, I like Batiste's very reasoned view as well. Because actually, Monaco, it's not like they were awful either under Niko Kovac, and they were just off the top five. There was just something they couldn't quite get that consistency, and they, they, they've managed to do that. But it, it isn't easy to put your finger on why that happens in football, why they're sort of managing to hold on to to results. But, you know, fair play to them. They're, they've certainly invited themselves to the to the Champions League party and they've put pressure on the likes of Rennes and, and, and Strasbourg beneath them. Strasbourg were victorious. Um, their remarkable season continues. They won 1-0 away to Brest, which is a, a very good result. Kevin Gamera got his 11th goal of the season. Um, but Marseille restored um, their place in, in second. Angus... I've obviously been very generous in my commentary plannings because I've I've given Angus the the Marseille commentary as well. So anyway, Angus commentated Lorient against Marseille, big game at the top and at the bottom because Lorient still need needed points and they still need points unfortunately because this is how it went. Jeremy Morel bundled off the ball, sent his under has a chance to send it into the box. Dangerous ball in. And there is the first goal for Bomber Jeng. The substitute opens the scoring just before half time. Ubalong Mendes, though, gets there ahead of Jason, but Jason has managed to find his way onto the ball. Nice little back heel from the Brazilian. Nice Genduzzi. Chance. And it's in. It's rolled in. Well, something strange happened there between foot and net. But Matteo Genduzzi has doubled Marseille's lead moments into the second half. And Valentin Rongier has picked it up and sends a useful-looking ball down the line to... Bomber Jeng. Two Marseille teammates join the attack. One of them is Jason. And it's 3-0. Points in the bag. Second place. Secured once more. Guaranteed European football next season at the very least. Even though they will be looking a lot higher than another run in the European Conference League. Yes, Angus Marseille. Winning well, winning fairly uh, fairly comfortably, 3-0. Um, picking up some injuries, we'll, we'll talk about that because they've got a huge game coming up next weekend against Rennes. But, um, but it was pretty impressive from, uh, from San Paoli's men. Yeah, well, when you consider the week they've just come through as well, after that humiliating defeat against Lyon, um, who are a bizarre team in my book. But anyway, <laughs> that's another subject. Um, Yes. Um, and then, of course, failing to break down um, Feyenoord, against whom they were not very good in defence in the first leg and couldn't score in the second. So wasn't really very happy, I would say, coming in. And, and when you consider that Monaco then won on the Friday night, bumping them down to, to third, they realised that if they had lost that game as well, then it would have opened the door to Rennes, knocking them out of the, um, the Champions League places altogether with two games left. So it was a terrific performance from them. And they did it as well with a team that was, well, by the end of the game, they were shorn of almost all of their attackers. I mean, Milik and Dimitri Payet were already missing. Milik's injuries seemed to be going on for a while. But Payet's injury was like a 
a blow from above, wasn't it, when he went off in the first half against Feyenoord. And so it was terrific that, uh, well, and then, of course, Cedric Bakombu, who had come in to, to deal with this uh, crisis, then got injured himself in the first half. However, that seemed to be a masterstroke because that brought on Bomber Jeng and he scored the opening goal with a sort of karate kick kind of uh, shot from inside the box. And that settled them down, I think. Um, they, they, they looked a lot better after that. They dominated possession, dominated territory, um, didn't necessarily dominate attempts at goal, although the statistics I didn't understand because where they said something like they'd ha- um, Lorient had had five shots at goal in the first half, and I must admit I didn't notice them. So uh, it was it was quite strange. Then of course again, Doozy scores um, right after half time. Hang on, Angus, you're worrying me now. You're, I always Lorient had you. five shots, and you didn't you didn't notice them. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't I'm, notice them at all. Maybe I shouldn't be giving I, you these. I, I, these I, big I, no, I, I, I think I just I do wonder what they actually regard as a shot. <laughs> I think anything that dribbles okay. towards the goalkeeper is regarded as a shot. <laughs> anyway, fair enough. Fair enough. Gendouzi yeah. then scored, and um, that really finished off uh, Lorient. And they said so after the game that it kind of took the wind out of their sails. Um, Gerson then scored, and then he got injured. And bizarrely, you had the aftermath of the Gerson goal with him on the floor, and then the camera switches to Bomber Jeng, and he's on the floor. They both have to go off. Um, but Kombu apparently is going to be okay, apparently. Uh, yeah, not so and Milik, clear on Milik the other possibly two. as well. Yeah, they, yeah I think so Paulo said that Bakombo and Milik should should be there to play Ren. So, uh, Baptiste, Marseille have got Ren um, this coming weekend, then Strasbourg at home the following weekend. Two two massive, massive games. Um, what are you thinking? It's Marseille a... for the Champions League? <laughs> I, st- I still back them, yes. I think especially so after this weekend, because I thought after the disappointment of losing the Olympico and, and being poor against... A weak final side, frankly speaking, uh, during the week. Going away to Lorient has had the potential to be the perfect ambush for their Champions League hopes. And yet, they not only did they turn up, but they played them casually off the park. And uh, despite having very little power up front, because, you know, Bakambu's been a bit hit and miss. Bamba Dieng can alternate between looking like a Champions League player and, and one from the conference within the same two minutes. And... Um, so I, I thought I thought that was very impressive, and I think if they get some sort of attacking players back fit, the the structure they have means they'll be very difficult to break down, and they look like that again. Um, having said that, Rennes and Strasbourg is probably the toughest run in you they can possibly have, but I, I'll I'll still back them. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. Paris Saint-Germain top with eighty points, Marseille twelve points behind them in second. Marseille have got sixty-eight points. Second place gets you into the Champions League group stage. Third, and you have to qualify. Monaco are currently third. They are on 65, three points behind Marseille. Rennes are fourth on 62. They're three points behind Monaco, but they have that game in hand against Nantes on Wednesday night before playing Marseille. Um, Strasbourg fifth on 60 points. They're level with Nice. Nice are now sixth on 60 points. And... uh, it's only going to be the top five qualifying for Europe because Nantes winning the cup means uh, they are through to the Europa League group stage. So, um, yeah, it could be between Rennes, two of Rennes, Strasbourg and Nice for that final, uh, or for the final two Europa League positions. Although, Lens got a, a stunning late victory. Um, our man Seco Fofana scored a late winner against, help me out guys, um, against... They won 2-1. Uh, hang on, I've got it. 
Rans. 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 They, they want to on a way to Rans. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, the iPad just 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 turned off. Um, so before we look at the relegation dogfight in detail, we're going to um, go with our Deja Vu competition. Um, an Aurelian Chuamani shirt up for grabs. Uh, the clue last week, we had quite a few uh, uh, answers, some right, some not right. League One podcast at gmail.com. This was the clue. Uh, you have to guess who I'm talking about. Born in the Paris region, I first made a name for myself, some might say, playing on a pitch better suited to my stature before getting a chance to prove myself with the big boys in France's southwest. A move to Spain further enhanced my reputation but failed to bring me silverware. I successively lost the UEFA Super Cup, the Spanish Super Cup, the Copa del Rey final and the Spanish Super Cup again before returning to France where I lost the final of the Coupe de France. I didn't realise he lost so many finals. My international career has been equally unfulfilling, even if I remain to this day one of the most respected players in the French top flight. No question about that. It was one of Robbie's easier ones. Not that easy, but quite a few of you got Wissam Ben Yedda, including Cecilia from Hong Kong. I'm sorry, Cecilia, you haven't won the shirt. You didn't come out of the draw, but uh, great to hear from you. Um you used to live in, in Toulouse, Cecilia tells us, and she used to go to watch the TFC um, play, even though, as she says, it's more of a, a rugby town and um, the football has to play second fiddle. But uh, yeah, Cecilia knew that it was Wissam Ben Yedda, but um, the person who came out of the draw for an Aurelian Chuamani shirt, Aidan Basford. Congratulations to Aidan Basford. Um, we will be in touch with you and you will have... Um, a shirt coming your way. Be careful, don't fall into the trap that Sean fell into last week. He uh, he was listening to the podcast at work in an open plan office. And when he heard his name got called out, he shouted, shit, seriously. And um, he got in trouble about that. But he did get his shirt. Um, and Aidan, you're going to get your shirt as well. So congratulations. Now, moving on to this week's clue, a Kylian Mbappe Paris Saint-Germain shirt is up for grabs. And Robbie has gone. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's big. It's big. And Robbie's (laughs) gone for a very tough clue. So everybody concentrate. I'm going to try and read this as clearly as possible. Who am I? Born and raised in Africa, I moved to France when I was 18, signing my first professional contract two years later. I played in the UEFA Champions League, but I never played in Ligue 1 despite playing my entire senior career in France. Injured, I watched as my team made the Coupe de France final against my former club and briefly played for my country. But my career never hit the heights promised to me as a 19-year-old. At least I can still say I played alongside Marquinhos, Ludovic Ajorg, Ulrich Rame, Luca Dean and Thomas Mongani and against Mohamed Salah, Nemanja Matic, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Yannick Carrasco and James Rodriguez. Who am I? Woof, 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 <laughs> Robbie. Wow, you've been working on that all week, haven't you? Um, thank you to our producer, Robbie Thompson. If you think you know the answer to our Deja Who, email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. It's going to be very interesting. I have to say, I, off the top of my head, don't know that, Baptiste. I have no clue. Shaking your head. <laughs> No clue, Angus. There are so many left turns in that uh, in that uh, that paragraph that I, I don't know. I think I've ended up back where I started. 
I was a bit thrown by the I never played in Ligue yes. 1, which is unusual for a, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. But I'm not <laughs> saying it's a bad clue, Rob. Um, but anyway, it's a good one. Let's um, turn our attentions to the bottom of the table. I was going to say poor old Bordeaux, but do they do they deserve our sympathy? They were absolutely battered. 4-1 by Angers. Angers, who'd been struggling to win, struggling to score for several months. They're pretty much uh, sure of staying up now, Angers. But uh, uh, Bordeaux are bottom. And uh, fellas, it, it's looking like curtains, isn't it? Baptiste, what do you make of Bordeaux uh, this weekend, this season? 89 goals conceded in 36 games. Um, a, a sad state of affairs. Yes, and it's, it's the state of the the state of their season in one game really just shambolic defending no structure a glimmer of hope when they come back to, to 2-1 and then it just all goes nowhere and the you know 4-1 was the, the least you know the least they deserved it it's just been horrendous all season and um Gerard Lopez has a lot to answer for but so do the owners before before him and it's just been total despair for Again, we a historic club, right? We talked about Nantes and how how big a club they are. Bordeaux is in the same ballpark, and it's just been the season from hell for them. Angus, are you going to miss Bordeaux next season? No, I've, I've, I'm not actually, <laughs> because I think a little bit like um, for me, they remind me a little bit of Schalke in Germany, big club that were rather living on their past, not really fixing the present. And almost like they were putting sticking plasters on, you know, an open wound and it was never healing. Um, Schalke are getting promoted back to the um, the Bundesliga the first time of asking, having sorted themselves out. And maybe that's what Bordeaux actually need to do. You could also level this at Saint-Étienne as well, to be quite honest with you. Another huge club that has kind of lives on its past and isn't really fixing the present. So, no, is the answer. Well, just to... Um give you a recap or give you uh, the information regarding the bottom of the table. Bordeaux um, are now bottom with uh, 27 points. There are two games left to play. Mets have got 28 points. Um, The bottom two go down automatically. Uh, Saint-Étienne are in 18th. They've got 31 points. Saint-Étienne play against Nice on Wednesday. Um, 18th is a playoff against the Ligue 2 side. Uh, Above them, Lorient have 34 points they're probably the one team i would say that that could still get sucked in um if they're not careful they play trois on 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 the final weekend as well um we'll have to see how saint-etienne get on i I want to i want to mention mets because they're they're still in with a with a shout mets within three points of saint-etienne now um angus you mentioned leon being um a strange football team they beat Marseille 3-0 last weekend. Um, they went 2-0 down away to Mets. Moussa Dembele pulled one back. Peter Boss made four changes at halftime. Um, Leon were a little bit better. They got it back to 2-2. Dembele again. And then Boulaya scored a brilliant winner to make it 3-2. Mets won 3-2. Um, our reporter was at, was at the game. He asked Peter Boss why he made four changes at halftime. And Peter Boss said, because I wasn't allowed to make 11. Which was um, wow. yeah, an an interesting comment from a coach who has clearly turned turned on his players. But it's it's not good enough, is it, Angus? It's not good enough when you you know Mets were pretty much dead and buried. Uh, the nail was there, waiting to be hammered into their coffin by Leon, and Leon didn't 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 bother doing it. No, um, Leon. Well, they're in danger of missing out on Europe now for the second time in three years after a long stretch where they were almost a fixture 
even after their period of domination in the noughties ended. And I guess you, you do deal in eras. You do, you know, those sorts of things. They do come and go. Um, but they, they just don't seem to have, for me, a, a structure of play that goes from one game to the next. It, it seems like a different team comes out. Um, I, I don't understand why Parquetta is in the, um, in the list of best players of the season. There are other players, I think, which have done a far better job than him that have had a more tangible effect. I'm not saying Parquetta is, Parquetta is not brilliant as a, as a player, but he hasn't had the influence on that Leon team that I think others have had. And Leon lost significant players uh, at the end of last season. Uh, Paqueta was supposed to be the one that stood up and took on the uh, the mantle of the, the the leader of that team. I don't think it has quite happened. Uh, the defence has been good one week and not good the next. And I think that I don't quite understand really how they've managed to even be within a throwing distance of Europe the way they've been playing this season. Uh, Baptiste, is this on Peter Boss? Is this on Jean-Michel Olas who let's say, made a bad appointment with Janino or, or didn't give Janino the tools he needed to be a sporting director, um, has 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 since made, made the change. I mean, it's it's a mess. Angus talks about players leaving. They lost Bruno Guimaraes as well in, mm. in January, brought in Ndombele and, uh, and Romain Fevre, both of whom have done well in patches, but only in patches. Um, what do you think? I know we were talking on uh, on WhatsApp comparing Leon with, uh, with Manchester United yesterday. It's been a while I've been thinking. It's, mm. it's similar insofar as they've got a lot of talent, but it's a it's a collection of individuals, isn't it? Totally. The the club structure is dysfunctional, and it's just chasing past glories. And I, I think that's what that's what bothers me with Lyon. They were such a forward looking club at the height of their success, and they had they had a clear common thread running through the club, and you just don't see that anymore. And you can tell in a relationship between Boss and Olas isn't really working, but Olas still tries to back his managers as best as he sees fit. I think the main criticism I would have for Boss is that, to Angus's point, throughout the season, it feels like a different team is turning up every week and and they don't get the basics executed in the right way. And I think that's pretty damning for for Boss. And when you ally that with recruitment that's gone missing, such as Ndombele, who, was, who came in and was going to fill no particular gap and wasn't the right player for what they, for what they needed, it just coalesces into a dysfunctional team and an unbalanced squad pulling in different directions. There's a lot of work to do this summer and I don't think bringing in Alexander Lacazette is going to change everything. Um, they, 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 there's a lot of talk they want him and if they can't get him, apparently uh, Mbolo is the, the the striker they're after, the Swiss international. Um, Moussa Dembele deserves credit. Um, he's got 11 goals in, in his last 10 matches now and despite that, Leon are not winning consistently. He's only got a year left on his contract. So, yeah, a lot of big, big decisions to make. We'll talk about the Player of the Year nominees. Angus mentioning his surprise at Lucas Paqueta being included. But we've moved off the subject, which was relegation initially. Um, and um, just to, to to sort of mention, because it's a big weekend coming up. Bordeaux are, are playing Lorient. It's their last throw of the dice. They've got to win their last two games. Mets are at home to Angers. So both Bordeaux and Mets have got games, on paper at least, that are winnable. Saint-Etienne have got to be careful. If they lose to, to Nice this Wednesday night, they can be sucked back into it. They're at home against Reims. And of course, if Bordeaux beat Lorient, then Lorient got, gets sucked into it. Um, 
What do we think? Do, do we give Angus, do you give any chance to Bordeaux or to Metz? I would love to say yes for Metz, but I cannot see them stringing back-to-back wins together, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. So, no, I, I think that and um, Metz, Bordeaux yeah. and Metz are gone. And Metz go, go to the Parc des Princes on the last day, which yeah. is perhaps not, not the best. Even um, with Batiste... the Paris Saint-Germain playing the way they are mm, at the moment. Yeah, who knows? What, you're suggesting they're on holiday? Yeah, no, it's possible. It's 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 possible, but it's still, you know, uh, Mbappe, potentially last game mm. or not. Baptiste, what do you reckon? Uh, Mets or Bordeaux, any chance? No, they're down for me. <laughs> well, Bordeaux definitely mess, have a, have a chance, but they were they were poor against Lyon, frankly speaking. They should have never won that game. So I don't see them, I don't see them winning another game. Okay, fair enough, and uh, we've got we've got Toulouse coming up. Toulouse coming up as uh, as champions. Um, more about them and the other teams coming up in in the next couple of weeks. Um, Angus, we're going to have to be quite concise in this discussion <laughs> <laughs> about about the players of the season. I I wholly agree with your sentiment that it's surprising that Lucas Paqueta is is in the top five. Brilliant in the first half of the season, not so much in the second half. Um, the five nominees: Kylian Mbappe, Martin Terrier. Lucas Paqueta, Wissam Ben Yedda, and Dimitri Payet. Um, Angus, who, 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 uh, so you, you said you're surprised about Paqueta. Who would you like to see it included? And who's your number one? Right. Okay. First shout is for Benjamin Borjot, who I think has had an absolutely amazing season. He's not the sexiest player, which is perhaps why Paqueta has got in, because he is a sexy player. But um, I think that Bordreau has had a magnificent season, uh, linking up uh, particularly with Martin Terrier and Gaetan Laborde, who's come in. So he's my big shout. He's so many assists, not just for goals, but for chances. Uh, Aurelien Chouameni, not included in that. Uh, another, again, defensive midfielders don't generally get, you know, these sorts of plaudits. And I think he has been fundamental to Monaco's uh, improved fortunes as well. Jonathan Klaus, now a France international. Magnificent. Only at one point, he was the top assist maker. Only Kylian Mbappe is above him. And I think Borrego as well is there or thereabouts with him. And Seiko Fofana, one of my favourite players in the whole of, uh, of Liga, who doesn't score a lot, but is, if you were to define a leader of a team, he's it. Uh, as yeah, for he the mainly, winner, he mainly scores last-minute winners, doesn't he? Seco from Fofana, as he did again at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the I winner, Angus. To be honest with you, the winner's got to be Kylian Mbappe. I'm sorry, it's an obvious one, but I mean, come on, he has been absolutely unmatchable. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that everybody is going to agree on. Um, Batiste, I assume you would go along with Kylian. Yes, absolutely, one of the best players in the world, and by far, and proving it. Yes, and proving it. Um, Obviously, Angus stole all my other ideas for for contenders, which has <laughs> put me in a good spot. But I just wanted to mention, uh, I think Gendouzi has been very impressive for for Marseille, and I'm going to go with a little left field name. But uh, Strasbourg have had a great season. I think Adrien Thomasson has got something to do with it. We focus a lot on the on the front three, and rightly so. But he's the man who makes them tick in the middle of the park, and he's been at 28. He's been having the best season of his life. So I just wanted to mention mention to him yeah very yeah very good shouts um i i i'm surprised at paqueta i'm surprised at wissam benyeda i know he's he's been prolific he's he's impressive quite a lot of penalties in his 21 goals um i just think yeah maybe too much importance given given to goals i certainly would have had seco for in there yeah. and i think benjamin burrijo as well 
um, has has a good uh, case. Um, let's quickly do so. Best young players: Castello Luqueba has been nominated, the Leon centre back. William Saliba, the uh, Marseille centre back on loan from Arsenal. Nuno Mendes of Paris Saint Germain. Arno Calimwendo, the Lance forward on loan from Paris Saint Germain, and uh, Kefren Turam of of Nice. Um, Angus. Go along with that. Who would you pick? Um, best young player. I think uh, Nuno Mendes probably gets the shout for me. I think he's been brilliant since he came in. Didn't need any time to fit into Paris Saint-Germain and did really well. A little shout to Edin Zegrova, who I think is going to be a cult hero in the years to come <laughs> for Lille. He was the only player in their run that is consistently getting support from the Lille faithful. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think Saliba and Lukeba are way ahead of Nuno Mendes, but there you go. That's uh, that's that's my view. Uh, <laughs> Baptiste, what do you reckon? Uh, for me, it's Lukeba. Zero, n- zero league games before the season. Stepped into a dysfunctional side. Is already the best defender at the club. Um, for me, it would have been between him and Saliba, but Saliba has had more league experience, and um, that's what weighed it for me in in um, Lukeba's favour. Fair enough. Fair enough. Although, is having Liga and experience a criteria to uh, count against against you know you know you're not allowed to say anything against William Saliba on this pod. You should, you should know I, that, Batista. You I, should know I that. I mean, I love I love Saliba, so uh, you know he would. I would have liked to have chosen him, but um, yeah, it's it's harsh. But I think he'd had something like fifty. 50 league games for different sides but he's been he's yeah been it does awesome. yeah, it, yeah it feels feels like he's been around for quite a while um Benoit Badia Badia Shield as well yeah sorry Shield, yeah he's yeah. He, no it's okay he, he he was he was out injured a bit but yeah he's had a strong season best goalkeeper Gigio Donnarumma Alban Lafont Paul Lopez Matt Sells Walter Benitez um Angus, are you, you in agreement there? I would have replaced Donnarumma who has played less in Liga than Kalor Navas um, and replaced him with Alexander Nurbel. I know he's on loan, but he's had the most uh, clean sheets apart from Walter Benitez in Liga. He's looked really good. He's been solid. Never looked like he was going to lose his place in a side that um, has got stronger and stronger as the season has progressed. Um, but other than that, um, I think that uh, Walter Benitez is probably my pick because he's just been brilliant. He's at the, He's at the peak of his powers, I think. Yeah, fair enough. I, th- I think a few eyebrows were raised at Donnarumma's inclusion. I mean, he has been, he has been pretty good. I, I, unfortunately for him, and this this has got nothing to do with Ligue 1, but you know we're 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 thinking about the Champions League and we're thinking about Italy, and you know it didn't go very well for him in the last couple of months. But certainly in Ligue 1, he's he's been good. So um, yeah, I think he probably deserves his place. Batis, what do you, what do you reckon? Uh, Matt Sells for me has just been constantly solid. I don't think anybody's really stood out or has been. You know, incredible, but Sells has been has made no mistakes, has been dominant for a, for a good defensive side, so that that edged it for me. But yeah, I agree with Donnarumma. I mean, he's got sixteen games, eighteen games in the league. That seems a little low to make to make the shortlist. Yeah, Nuno Mendes, uh, similar Angus. But anyway, <laughs> you know, that's that's all right in terms of terms of starts. Not that I'm, you know, yeah, but, but he's that, a young but, player, so <laughs> it's not quite. Uh, young players are mm. not going to probably play as many games as somebody. No, who, I think yeah. Saliba's played forty six so far. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. As long as I get the final word, that's the rule on this uh, on this podcast. We're going to look ahead to next weekend. It is a is a huge weekend, humongous. We've got 10 games taking place all at the same time on Saturday night, 9pm local time. It's time for us to go on a bon voyage.
Okay, Angus, some crackers. Ren against Marseille. It's going to be rocking in Roazon Park. Leon against Nantes might be a bit more subdued um, at the Group Armour Stadium. Bordeaux playing for their lives at home against Lorient. Um, just giving you a few a few tasty options here. Nice against Lille, that could be fun. What do you reckon, Angus? Uh, I believe I'm going to Leon anyway, aren't I? So uh, I guess I have to probably pick that game, um, Leon against Nantes. Although if Leon hadn't made such a mess of this week, then that game would have been a lot more interesting uh, coming up at the end of the week. So I'll stick with that, though. I think Leon need a bounce back. They need to prove to their home fans that, uh, well, actually, if they win again, then they'll just prove that they're a, a yo-yo club at the moment, weren't they, in terms of form. Uh, it'd be nice to see Nantes, though, uh, you know, because that's going to be a celebration, I think, uh, providing they also get a win in midweek as well. Uh, so I, I think I'll do that. And Leon has some good food as well. So uh, that would be nice. Certainly does. Certainly does. Baptiste, um, you're based in London, but it's easy these days to, to get the Eurostar. You don't need to do all that testing and stuff. Oh, or maybe you do. I'm not sure. But uh, where, do, where do you fancy going? Uh, Rennes Marseille would be a great game to watch. Rennes is a great city. Uh, Saucis Galette. But, <laughs> but when you go to Roison Park and um, and a, a game between second and third, second and third, or third and fourth now, right? So, um, in between two sides, which are exciting to watch in for different reasons. So I think that be that be the game I'd love I'd love to go see. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be that will be a cracking game. I'm absolutely sure about that. Um, Andy Scott says I always go to Champagne Country, so I'm <laughs> going to go to Champagne Country, and I'm going to see if Trois can seal their top-flight survival for the first time in 16 years. Um, I'm hearing there's going to be a big crowd at the Stade de Lobe. They've been getting nine or ten thousand, but it, there, there could be twenty thousand for the Trois against Lens game. I've commentated them for the last two weeks against Lille. They beat Lille 3-0. They drew 2-2 at the Parc des Princes, and I'm liking them. So that should be good. And um, they make Andouillettes there as well, um, which which are absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Hate them. So I won't... <laughs> Not for the faint <laughs> I was just trying to bring in a... I was trying to bring in a cultural <laughs> reference. If you don't know what an Andouillette is, um, then look you're it doing up on well. the internet. But yeah, don't don't look it up if you're, if you're um, feeling a bit queasy. Um that's just about it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a fantastic debut from uh, Baptiste Renault. Follow him nice at one. Le Classic Pod. Um, it's been great to have you on, Baptiste. And uh, um, yeah, it'll be good to have you back um, very soon, hopefully. We've got a couple of pods left this season. Um, Angus Tarode, you've said enough this week probably to, to, to last the season. So no, I'm joking. It's been a pleasure, <laughs> Angus. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. No (laughs) comeback. Cheers, Angus. We'll be back with uh, another edition of Le Bourgeois next week. Have a great week. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word. What a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. A goal Messi again, this time maybe Messi's done it!